For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, this is Adia here. Welcome back to another special edition of my speaking podcast. As you know, you're used to the light banter between myself, my co-hosts, Jessica Gibson and Jay Black. But given the seriousness of the times that we are facing with the uh, never-ending COVID lockdowns, the mask mandates, the radical difference between how blue states and red states are handling this. And, you know, I talk about this often on the radio. And one of the things that happens all the time is people say, well, you're not a doctor. How do you know? And I say, well, I have two other skills. One, I can read. And two, I can listen. And as I used to tell my kids when uh, they were acting up, listen, you have two ears and one mouth. You should use them in that proportion. So I think it's time for a lot more people to listen and listen to the experts. And I thought, although I may not be a doctor, I know plenty of them that want to share with you why we are making some dreadful, deadly, and dangerous mistakes with mask mandates and lockdowns. Now, last week, we had a great conversation with Dr. Colleen Huber, who is a world-known cancer doc, and she joins me again, and she's going to introduce her colleagues who have come together on a collaboration to talk about uh, the latest study as to why not only masks are not going to prevent the spread of COVID or any influenza or respiratory virus going forward, but we could actually be putting our own health in danger. Colleen, welcome back. Good to see you. Thank you, Bill. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So you're joined by uh, Boris and Maria, if you would introduce them and what their role is and was coming into this study that you guys have done. Absolutely. I'm so pleased to work with this research team. I, these have been the greatest colleagues I've worked with as far as uh, doing any research projects. And uh, Boris Borovai is an epidemiologist and Maria Chrysler is a microbiologist. Together, uh, we've been looking at, ang at uh, various angles related to mask use. So it was helpful to have their various uh, uh, fields of expertise so let me, if I can, Boris, I'd like to start with you and kind of go right into it. You're an epidemiologist. It was the word that many people couldn't even pronounce when this thing started. What's an epidemiologist? What do you do? How do you really say it? Um, and all of a sudden, within a couple of months of, of COVID, all we're hearing is, listen to the epidemiologist. They'll tell you. And of course, epidemiology has all of a sudden morphed into um, what seems to be the advocacy for masks and lockdowns. But you don't agree. Tell me why. I tried to find my place in military epidemiology here. Uh, it was a really unpleasant situation. And I saw there is not even any, uh, not even in, even uh, resemblance of what we we used to have, say in Soviet Union. Let me explain why. Because in Soviet Union we don't have we, you don't have really extensive uh, technologies and methods of uh, curing diseases. So we were forced to prevent diseases. Okay, that's exactly what epidemiologists do prevent diseases, making sure nobody gets sick, making sure there is a situation under control, making sure everything is all right during the whole epidemiological process. Until now, I don't know who here uh, just 
understand the word, the word, epidemiological process. They just don't understand what they're using. They're using strange and charlatanic mathematical models. They don't use classic epidemiology, European epidemiology, Russian epidemiology. They don't use the whole baggage of knowledge formed before. They using some strange, some something really, really um, esoteric models, and we see how it works. You know, hundred. 10,000 times less or... So wait, Boris, let me stop you there. Let me understand that. So what you're saying is they're, they're using project... And we hear this often, that they're using projection models. We certainly hear this from the CDC when we look at uh, excess deaths, right? We can look at Sweden approaching zero excess deaths 2020 over 2019. We look at uh, October in England, 43,000 plus or minus deaths in October 2020, 43,000 plus or minus in October 2019. They had excess deaths in the number of eight, eight out of 43,000. But the CDC will say, well, we're on track for several hundred thousand excess deaths. So they're using models. What What is your advice to people when they hear, I'm an epidemiologist, put the mask on. Okay. So first of all, first of all, advice is very simple. Don't go to doctor's offices. Don't go to hospitals, to ERs. That's where you can for sure get this virus. Mask makes things even worse, you know? You cannot get this virus maskless or masked in the street, in a gym, whatever. Just don't go to medical facility, you know? Because if even one person sitting maybe 12 feet from you with a mask, this person will spread virus to you for sure. You so know? what do you advise someone who's sick to do? Let me explain. This is Samashka's model. It sounds very exotic to you, but it was working. Doctors, nurses coming to the patients, to their houses, okay? Not patients, not other way. If you're sick, you call doctor, your district doctor coming to your house. And this is the safest way. In this case, doctor knows what to do. In this case, you're not spreading anything. You're not going anywhere. Here, how it started. You know, I live by myself. Even if you're sick, if you have a flu, you have to go to the work. I'm working with nuclear medicine technologist in Manhattan uh, office. You know what? I, for 16 years, I didn't take even single, uh, single day off, single sick day. I was sick as hell, but nevertheless, I came here. I was working. This is you know part of American culture, you know. And this is me. Imagine. Millions of people like me coming sick at workplace, at the medical place. And let me explain why, because I have no substitute. Okay, I was one minute ago. If I call sick, the whole bunch of patients, like eight, nine patients, need to be rescheduled. So I was forced working while I'm sick. So you're, you're really coming at this, Boris, from a position that American culture is part of the problem of, of everyone running to the ER, running to the doctor, that that old style of, of the doc bringing the bag to your house is actually a safer way to go. All right, thank you. Maria, let me ask you then, uh, from a, a microbiologist perspective, 
Uh, I keep hearing, and I've said this and repeated this, I saw this in the Danish study, I saw it in many others, they talk about how there's no difference between a masked person and an unmasked person when it comes to the spread of the virus, when it comes to protecting others or yourself. One of the things that I hear and keep hearing is that whether it's a cloth mask or a surgical mask, the mesh itself is actually, uh, the gaps are too wide to prevent these small viruses from getting through. Can you just uh, explain that to me? You know, honestly, I, I, in March when this all started, I said to my colleagues, I said, uh, you know what's really sad about this is I predict, I predict that those people in fear and who might be possibly driving an agenda are going to have healthy people required to wear masks by the time this is all over and we will be demonized and people are going to get more sick as a result of wearing these masks. And we line that out in our on several different occasions. So we discuss not only the, the outflow that is, um, that is increased whenever you're wearing the mask, um, which is why Boris said, you know, someone could be sitting within 12 feet of you right next to you with a mask on, you could have your mask on, you are still going to get sick if you're in a hospital with a sick person. And it's because of that pressure outward flow. The other thing is, is that we've proved in our papers that not only does any type of mask that's being recommended, um, whether it be surgical, um, the, the cloth masks, the N95s, you're actually increasing your contamination rate. You're increasing the number of microbes that attach. And N95s work by static, okay? So they work by static. And you actually get increased uh, uh, statistical absorption of these microbes on the exterior of the masks. So whether or not it's preventing, um, you know, virus particles from coming in or not doesn't matter because you've got contamination from your body, um, normal flora that resides on your body, you've got contamination from your body, you're touching your mask, you're messing with it, people aren't properly trained. We, uh, we also did a study where, where we examined whether or not there were increased infections in hospitals with surgeons wearing those masks themselves, right? So during surgery, infections were actually increased when surgical teams were wearing masks, those masks and people say it all the time. What about my surgeon? What about my nurse? I don't want somebody approaching me without a mask. Well, okay, I do. And the reason is, is because I want my surgeon and my surgical staff and my, my nurse to have proper oxygen flow. I want them to be coherent. I want them to be alert about what they're doing during my surgery. I don't want them compromised in any way. Um, those masks are meant to, to make sure that the surgeons and the, and the staff don't have splash, right, from body parts or they don't drip into an open body cavity. But what I'll tell you is, is that from a microscopic level, what putting a surgical mask or otherwise does to the human body's systemic system, and I mean right down to your organs, the cells themselves, carry charge on your red blood cells. If you put a mask on someone, especially a child, someone who's immunocompromised, someone with hypertension, COPD, diabetes, anyone who has any kind of a heart failure defect, anything like that, you put a mask on them, you're changing their body chemistry. You're changing the actual charge that resides on their cells. 
right? So you're going to cause a toxic interstitial environment. And by interstitial, I mean what carries the, the actual fluid that carries your cells throughout your body. So you're going to create a toxic environment. The best probably scenario or, or I guess um, a, a comparison that I've heard is consider a fish tank. If you're in a fish tank, if you have a fish in a fish tank and the fish tank is, is full of dirty water, that's your interstitial fluid. What are you going to do? You're going to change the environment or change the fluid. You're not gonna go vaccinate your fish. You're not gonna go put a mask on your fish and think everything is going to get better. That's not how it works. You actually have to make sure that your, your environment is regulated. And the problem with the kids being put in masks all day, every day is that it's on the CDC website. And we say this in our paper. If you put a mask on a child, you are disrupting the entire microbial, uh, microbial environment. So you're disrupting normal flora that uh, your, your mouth and your nasal cavity contain, Staphylococcus streptococcus. So in, in layman's terms, good bacteria that helps fight bad bacteria. Yeah, and there's actually, it's on the, the CDC website itself, if you, put a, if you disturb that environment, by putting a mask, and they don't say by putting a mask on a child, but you're disturbing the environment, the normal flora and the mm -hmm. equilibrium that, that is there and present. So if you do that and you put a mask on a child, there is at least a 10 to 15% increased chance that that child is going to come down with what we call panda syndrome. Panda syndrome is caused by streptococcus, by uh, uh, streptococcus pyogenes, and it can actually come up, you know, the COVID symptoms are... Well, you, and this is what's really kind of funny about this. You lose your taste of sense and smell. Why is that? Because you have an inflammatory response of cytokines that attack your olfactory nerve. You know what panda syndrome is? That is how it starts. So, so these cytokines and this inflammation, this response from streptococcus, not COVID, go in and they cause this response on your olfactory nerve. And what that does is it leads all the way up into your brain, meaning streptococcus and these toxins that are released can actually cross the blood brain barrier. They can cause anxiety in children, permanent neurological disorder. You can have symptoms of autism and what they're doing to these kids is absolute blasphemy. I cannot believe when I see children outside, inside walking in hallways in grocery stores with masks on their face, parents better wake up. The information so, is on the CDC website. And, and I'm going to reference your uh, the, the study you guys did uh, in the post on this. Um, but just if you could uh, answer quickly that point about the size of the virus, because that comes up a lot. Uh, is that accurate when people say, look, the cloth mask isn't protecting you or anyone else? Not protecting it at all. You've got 0.125 microns, I believe, wasn't it, Colleen? It's 0.1.152 yeah. or 125 microns is the size of the coronavirus or the exosomes um, proteins, you know, contaminants from the coronavirus. And the masks only protect, what is it, Boris? It was, um, it, what is the number? Um, so we have it exact that I, I believe. 100, I thought. I heard it was, a, but Boris, is it? Boris? Yeah, the problem is, you know, the weight of the virus is 29 picogram. You know, that means this virus can be airborne forever, you know, especially in the small particles. Out there. Mm -hmm. 
I'd like to jump in about that. Actually. Go ahead, Colleen. Yeah, I was going to get to you and say, let's yeah. kind of let's, let's capture this. That was very informative, though. Thank you. Uh, go ahead, Colleen. Well, that most recent paper, you know, the, the fourth paper that we did, uh, it asked how come these populations that were wearing masks have higher rates of COVID? Because, you know, we looked at the, uh, we looked at the um, nations that were surveyed by the Council of Foreign Relations, and it turns out the ones that had more mask use in, in July, this past July, then ended up with more COVID in October. Now, why was that? So, so we looked at some of these mechanisms in the last paper, and one thing that's hardly ever talked about is side jets, okay? So you know how a mask wraps around toward the back of the face and leaves small openings toward the ears? Well, it's been found that um, unfiltered air is expelled several meters. So if you have any fear of COVID, this is what Boris is talking about, and Maria, that uh, if you're sitting there in a hospital, you're sitting there in a doctor's office with a mask on, okay, and you're expelling with greater force. And we showed the physics equations there, uh, Boyle's law, the ideal gas law, uh, why the velocities increase, the kinetic energy is increased, the distance is increased, and this air is going very far. The researchers measured it up to several meters, but even if it's even if it were a few feet, you know, so I, let's yeah. Let, let's get practical, right? So, so I, I have called out a lot of these governors and legislators and the people that have been responsible for a lot of the executive orders, these draconian lockdowns, uh, which clearly have done no good. I mean, you're, you, you look at the measurement of mask use to spikes in um, positive cases, forgetting the PCR test and how unreliable it is for a moment, uh, but, but it correlates that you've got a much higher level in states that are A, testing everyone, 30, 40,000 people every day, and B, ha uh, enforcing mass compliance with the uh, use of police force. So all that said, what's the practical advice? I mean, Boris brought up an interesting point about American culture that we go to the hospital, we go to the ER. As a matter of fact, I remember in March doing several shows on this, uh, on my Fox TV show, interviewing nurses in the ER saying, most people are showing up because they're scared to death They've got the sniffles. They, they feel a little bit out of it. They're showing up in the emergency room. And all of a sudden, you had this explosion of disease. So the question is, what is the practical advice? Let's say if you are advising the governor of New Jersey or New York and you had not a politically minded uh, elitist that we have in these two gentlemen, but somebody who actually was looking for a solution to say, how do we help with public safety and public health get people better? What's the advice? Which one do you want to answer? I think uh, all of you. So we'll start with you, Maria. Go ahead, Maria. Go ahead. Civil defense and okay. defense groups from, you know, from uh, diseases. So what you have to do in the case of New York, first of all, you have to put all vulnerable patients in nursing home and send upstate to the special female facilities. They have more than enough facilities. They have actually hospitals conservated and everything they need. Just take and evacuate first. Second one, just shut down New York for two weeks, clean up subways, clean up public buildings, put HEPA filters everywhere, put uh, quartz or ozone lamps over here to work overnight, no daytime, then open up everything, okay? No masks, no social distances. If you have no vulnerable population here, 
your outcome is going to be very low. As in a couple months, it circulated all around. There is no actually more quarantine, just two weeks for cleaning up. Couple months, okay. it's circulated all around. We have herd immunity. We have lowering down dangerous situation with virus itself because any pathogen going through, that's not from me, that's from Pasteur, from Louis Pasteur, going from strong organism losing pathogenicity. That's the law. That's how he created first real vaccine. Okay? okay. That's how it goes. In a couple months, and then you can slowly bring back vulnerable population. Slowly. Okay. Uh, and, that, and that, and we've heard that uh, Anders Tegnell has talked about this, uh, who is the, the state epidemiologist in Sweden, has talked about how you've got to get the herd immunity among the healthy first uh, before you can protect your vulnerable. It's why they had, as I understand it, the same problem in their nursing homes that we had in New Jersey and New York, other than the egregious affront to sanity when the governors in both states put positive COVID patients with symptoms back into the nursing home. So Maria, same question. What, what, do you, what do you advise the politicians to do? Because you've got a twofold problem here. You've got one, elite politicians who seem to be using the fear of coronavirus to grab power and line their pockets and push a vaccine that many experts are saying is unnecessary. Uh, then on the other side, you've got just normal people who are scared to death. Right, they are. So I have, you know, and, and I'll try not to be too long-winded about this, but there's a key point about all of this that um, nobody's really talking about, and I mean nobody. Um, and the science is there. And what I mean is the, I, what I mean is the emotional response. So when you are in fear, when you are um, angry, um, when you are sad, like the, the elderly not being able to see their family members, like families staying away from each other, how ridiculous is it that they stay away from each other during the holidays or that anybody has the gall to request it? If I could just tell you how many chemicals are released in your brain whenever you have that type of an emotional response, that type of stress, your brain has been said to contain its own pharmacy. So there are a group of chemicals that are released in your brain whenever you live this way and it's severely affecting children. Children are being made to believe that they are infectious diseases that they're going to kill people, you know, unless they put their masks on. Do you know what this is doing to America's children? And this might take a decade to fix. Okay. So what I would do and what I have done from day one of this, I haven't put a mask on one day, not anywhere where I have been. And that has been traveling. That's been in and out of convenience stations. That's been in, in our medical clinic. And my last day was around um, Thanksgiving. So I want to be honest and say that, but I have not worn a mask one day and not been sick one day. I'm an open heart surgery patient. Why am I not afraid? I'll tell you why. One, because I don't hurt myself by putting a mask on. Okay, so I will not compromise my immune system. I will not compromise my own environment. I will not live in fear, especially from a virus that can be that's so fragile. This is such a fragile thing and it can be easily defeated. So you supplement, right? So all people need to do is take the fear shield off, take the masks off, stop listening to the television and the politicians, take the masks off their children, tell them how wonderful they are. 
Go see your friends and your family. Go visit your, your loved ones. Ignore these draconian orders because they're not legal because they have to all be supported by data. And they're not supported by data. In order to have a public health crisis, you have to have something behind it that's data-driven. And this is not. And we can prove it. The data's out there. They've tried to suppress it. But we've come up with it and said, no, 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 no. Here it is. It's all right here. So I would supplement. So everybody keeps saying, okay, vitamin D, but vitamin D doesn't get into your blood system for about a week, you know, period of time, something like that. So, so yeah, it's great to be on that. And yeah, we can see decreased numbers because of that when people are healthy and outside and getting their sun. But honestly, there are micronutrients that are present and available. Um, I have a company that makes one. I'm not going to do that here, but I'll tell you that there are other companies out there that have natural organic solutions um, that all people have to do is supplement and be happy. This will go away. So, Maria, so from what I'm hearing, I've done the same thing uh, as you, and it's, it hasn't been easy in New Jersey, um, you know, between New York and New Jersey, where, where we are in such a lockdown, and you, you, there are signs posted outside, even in the town I live in, in Princeton, you can't cross a certain street. This is a mask zone. So I've not done it, and it has been a challenge. Now, the only two exceptions where my, my son had a concussion and I went to take him to the doc and they literally, they're like, well, you have to come in with a parent, but you cannot come in without a mask on. So I put the surgical mask on under my nose. Funny, I didn't realize how big my nose was until I had a mask on under, but that's a whole other story. Uh, and, and no one said anything, even in the medical facility, even the doctors looked at me like, yeah, we're not worried about it. So, but I, I did it as the, okay, please, let's not have a scene here because I need my son to be treated. Those are the only two times since this whole thing started um, because there is a workaround and I've encouraged people. I said, you can find the workaround. You know, I was shopping online before uh, people said you have to for safety. I don't use words like be safe. I don't tell people to be safe. It's, it sounds absurd to me. This seems like we are in just a, another seasonal uh, respiratory virus uh, outbreak and it's gonna happen every year. So, so I'm with you on that. I think that, and what I tell people is what you're both saying, and that is you've got to overcome your fear. The conversations, it's not about walking into a Walmart or somewhere and fighting the clerk who's got a job to do and they're scared too. It's about resisting mentally. Know that what you're doing is bad. And if you're going to do it and put it under your nose and all that, you know, I see people and I know who the normals are because they walk into the shop, right? They do this right as they go in. And the minute they're out, they put it down. So they obviously know there's something wrong with it. Um, so Colleen, I only have a few minutes left. I want to wrap up with you. Uh, can you, based on your study, based on the dangers of the mask, the, uh, the bacteria, the fact that you're disrupting your natural flora, all of this, if you can for a moment speak about the vaccine. We've, we've had a political class of doctors, Fauci among them, who seem to be far more uh, in interested in political science than medical science, and certainly than biology and everything else. But they're basically holding America hostage, saying, you can stop being afraid when there's a vaccine. And then earlier today, the and we're, we're recording this on, on December 9th, the New York Times came out with a report, and, and it was reported by all the media outlets. Even with a vaccine, you need to stay distanced and masked. And now um, the media uh, declared winner Joe Biden has come out and said that for his first 100 days, we've never heard anything like this in the history of America, 
his first 100 days in office will include you being masked up for 100 days so we can get control of the pandemic. So this is all flying at us. I know I just gave you a ton of stuff, but if you can just briefly address uh, the vaccine and the fact that some people are thinking if we don't have it, we'll never get back to normal. The whole point of uh, everything that's happened now in 2020 has been leading up to this moment of the moment of the rollout of the vaccine and every uh, every deliberately planned thing from the toilet paper shortage, which was manufactured by journalists and then, of course, taken up by the public saying, oh, toilet paper shortage. Gee, I, best, I, I better go buy some, you know, to food shortages. Uh, to, you know, everything, but particularly the masks, because the masks are a constant visual reminder that something is wrong. Something is different about 2020. Something is scary. Something is dangerous. All of this has been the leading up sales pitch to the vaccine. And if you read the fine print about this vaccine, um, Moderna's vaccine is showing a 21% uh, rate of uh, severe adverse events. Now, why would anybody subject themselves to that if they knew the deal uh, uh, versus a virus with a 99.8% survival rate? Let's see, do I wanna uh, confront a virus with such a high survival rate or do I wanna take a chance on a 21% severe adverse event? The, it's was not Pfizer the showing the same numbers? Was Pfizer okay. showing the same numbers? With, uh, that Pfizer. was the Moderna vaccine and I just saw that shortly before speaking with you. Yeah, um, it, yeah I don't have the news source handy, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, what, uh, most of the monkeys in the in the first uh, trial on monkeys uh, died, right? And then many of the uh, humans in the clinical trials have had adverse events. Supposedly the second shot's adverse events are quite a bit worse than the first shot. I mean, and then even so, the, the Pfizer vaccine, I believe, is the one that's advertised for a 95% effectiveness yeah. rate. Yeah, so but if we've got 99.8% chance effectiveness against the virus, hmm, I think I'll take my chances with uh, the vitamin and, D, the zinc and, that's working on the And am I correct in this, that, that this is not like measles or um, a, a shot that you get once as a kid in your regimen of vaccines that you, it is then preventable for the rest of your life, at least for the most part. Um, this is much more similar to a flu shot because the virus has mutated so often already. I understand I've heard 12 to 14 times since uh, we were talking about it in March, and the strain of the virus that they've developed the vaccine for was months ago. So this will need to be done every single year. Exactly. Well, that's part of it. The mutation has made this, uh, it's completely obviated the use of this. But you have a further problem in that this is the first mRNA vaccine. And because it's an mRNA vaccine, if you get it, please don't plan to have any more children. Why? Because it has been, that vaccine has been shown to be threatening to both sperm and to uh, in a pregnant woman, the uh, placenta and the fetus. So uh, because if we are going to develop antibodies against mRNA, a lot of which have overlap with the human genome, well, then we fight against, uh, you know, the uh, the unborn. So, you know, I think people really have to weigh the risk versus benefit of this. And even mm -hmm. though they've been given this incredible sales pitch this entire year, they have to step back and say, is this really worth the tremendous risk? You know, there are, uh, there are scientists all over the world warning against this vaccine. You probably know about Dr. Michael Yaden, Wolfgang Vodar, et cetera, uh, warning about the dangers inherent in this mRNA vaccine. Can I say one thing about that vaccine really quick? 
Go ahead, Marie, please. About any vaccine in general, and I've never been a non-vaxxer, so I want to make that clear to everybody. I agree. I've got all my shots on my kids. Yeah, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, um, so to speak, but I will. I would like to warn of this, um, just just as a general statement. People need to understand that when they do receive a vaccination for say an annual flu or something like this, understand that what's being done is manipulating your immune response, okay? So what hasn't been done and what there's no way that we can do this is test different comorbidities for different people of different generations and ages that have received previous flu vaccinations in their lives, and then how this particular vaccination is going to react with them. There's absolutely nothing been done, you know, to, to say, okay, this is how this person, this age, these comorbidities who's had these previous flu vaccinations, HPV vaccinations, whatever it may be, what are we getting into? You know, have we really studied what, you know, what the dysfunctional immune response is going to do as a result of yet another vaccination? It's untested. And there's no, there's no way that it can be tested. I mean, I don't, and I've been saying, uh, if you look throughout history, the, the, uh, even history.com, something that will be used in a classroom, just a quick Google search, 10 to 15 years for a vaccine to be vetted and understand how it works. This has been thrown together. Uh, I understand warp speed. In just a couple of months. So, so why wouldn't you just take the bull by the horns and say, you know what? I'm a human being. I'm a human being with the most complex, wonderful immune system, you know, that, that, that life could give me. And I've defeated, you know, X, Y, and Z throughout my entire life. Why should this be any different? I know how to arm my immune system. We know how to fix this. And it's not by putting on a mask and issuing draconian orders that don't work. It's making it worse. And when people come to you and they'll do this and they'll say, well, you're being selfish because you won't put a mask on and you're not, you're contributing to the problem. Well, I would love somebody to say that to me because I'm ready. What would your 30 second elevator response be? Sure. Well, let me just turn the tables on you and let me, let me tell you why you're actually contributing to the problem, not me. Because by you wearing a mask, you're increasing infections. I can give you references of X, Y, and Z, and I can tell you why you have compromised your immune response and making it worse for everybody else. So put the sugar down, right? Try to go after an alkaline environment. You know, I can look in somebody's grocery cart and tell you probably what their conditions are going to be. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, and, and I want to thank all of you, but I'll leave you at this point. So I do, I, um, I'm, I'm relatively healthy. I have not had a flu or a serious cold and now going on almost three years. And uh, I credit the fact that I do hot yoga four times a week and I sweat out three or four pounds. And all of the, you know, I never understood this whole idea of holistic healing and everything else. But the reality is your body's an amazing machine okay. and it can do amazing things. Uh, but for guys like me, not being an expert, I just live my life. And I, when something is working, I continue to do it. What I appreciate uh, with all three of you is that you're adding some science to it. It's not just me talking about the facts that the, the, the masks don't work and that the reality is that we are, uh, we are actually hurting ourselves against herd immunity by keeping us locked down in a way. And I'm finding, uh, and I had mentioned it earlier, uh, that a close friend of mine passed away yesterday and was diagnosed that he was positive for COVID, but he also had a heart condition. He had, um, you know, he died eventually from pneumonia and having a heart attack. But the reality is that here's somebody that we are eight months in and has been perfectly healthy up until the last 
few weeks. And it seems to me that whatever this next wave that we're seeing of positive tests, um, the lockdowns didn't work. The masks didn't work. So the, the old de definition of insanity, keep doing the same thing and expect different results. Um, Colleen, Boris, Maria, thank you so much. Uh, I'd love to have you all back. I want to continue this conversation for sure. Uh, we can go on for the next several hours. So well, what we'll do is we'll post this to our website, nj1015.com slash billspadia. I'll link to your report. I'll pull some quotes out of it and, um, and we'll hopefully continue to educate people thank so they can fight back against the propaganda. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Boris. Thank you, Colleen. You guys are great. Thanks so Appreciate much, it. Bill. Thanks. Okay, we'll be in touch. Okay, sounds good. Hold on, guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones, who get it done.